Our gospel reading today is from the book of Matthew, the 26th chapter, verses 36 through 40. It's printed on the back of your bulletin, or you may follow along in your pew Bibles on page 808. Then Jesus went with them to a place called Gethsemane, and he said to his disciples, Sit here while I go over there and pray. He took with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee, and he began to be grieved and agitated. Then he said to them, I am deeply grieved even to death. Remain here and stay awake with me. And going a little farther, he threw himself on the ground and prayed, My father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. Yet not what I want, but what you want. Then he came to his disciples and found them sleeping. And he said to Peter, So could you not stay awake with me one hour? Word of God, word of life. Thanks be to God. Please be seated. Our preaching text this morning is from Hebrews chapter 4, verse 14, through chapter 5, verse 10. It is also printed on the back of your bulletin. Since then, we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God. Let us hold fast to our confession. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who in every respect has been tested as we are, yet without sin. Let us therefore approach the throne of grace with boldness, so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Every high priest chosen from among mortals is put in charge of things pertaining to God on their behalf to offer gifts and sacrifices for sins. He is able to deal gently with the ignorant and wayward since he himself is subject to weakness. And because of this, he must offer sacrifice for his own sins as well as for those of the people. And one does not presume to take this honor, but takes it only when called by God, just as Aaron was. So also Christ did not glorify himself in becoming a high priest, but was appointed by the one who said to him, you are my son, today I have begotten you. As he says also in another place, you are a priest forever, according to the order of Melchizedek. In the days of his flesh, Jesus offered up prayers and supplications with loud cries and tears to the one who was able to save him from death. And he was heard because of his reverent submission. Although he was a son, he learned obedience through what he suffered, and having been made perfect, he became the source of eternal salvation for all who obey him, having been designated by God as a high priest according to the order of Melchizedek. Word of God, word of life. Grace to you and peace from God, our Creator and our Lord and Savior, Jesus the Christ. <coughs> Amen. So today we hear about Jesus as a high priest and uh, that it, it was an honor to be part of this. And there were lots of qualifications to be a high priest, but one of them being part of the family of Aaron or, as God has declared, uh, the order of Melchizedek. So I took a poll this week, a few days ago on Facebook, about uh, what you think someone needs to be in ministry. It was kind of dangerous, but I took the chance. And so this is just a portion of the responses that I received. A good sense of humor, 
flexibility, the ability to laugh at yourself, a heartbeat, a love for potlucks and jello salad, passion, empathy, ability to handle multiple priorities, a desire to serve and enrich lives, just being human, a love for all people, an ability to talk about God and share your story, the ability to read minds, heart and snark, which I think might be my personal favorite, uh, to be non-judgmental, a willingness to give your all, have your heart broken, and do it all over again, a willingness to be equipped for what God has called you to do, and the courage to discern when to listen and when to speak. And then I went and I asked Pastor Nate, do you still have the paperwork from when I was in the search process with you as the associate pastor? He said, let me check. He did. These were the top skills you wanted in someone in my position. This is also dangerous. Help people develop their spiritual lives. Help others develop their leadership and skills for ministry. Be an effective communicator. Be effective in working with youth. Be creative and innovative in my tasks. And there were many more things. I just pulled some of the top ones. But all in all, when I look at this list, that is a lot to live up to. And depending on the day, I may meet all of that criteria or not at all. And uh, so when we hear about Jesus as a high priest, there were expectations for that role too. The first part of chapter 5, this would have been familiar. Uh, the priest is the one that takes care of those most visible aspects of worship. The most prominent being making and overseeing sacrifices that set the rhythm of worship in the temple. And so the people hearing this would know exactly what was required. And then the passage talks about the way the priest was to deal with people. And instead of giving a simple answer, Hebrews tells us that everyone in ministry has been in the same position of needing to own something that has gone wrong, either in their own lives or in the lives of the people they serve. In ancient Israel, the high priest had to offer sacrifices for his own sins in addition to the ones made by the people. And in current ministry, those of us who lead congregation in the confession of sin also include themselves among those who fall short. So having named this, Hebrews then turns to how this living out of this role might actually shape how we see Christ and understand what it means to serve in his name. Last week we heard about how Christ is a priest who can sympathize or show compassion for vulnerable people, for all of us. And Hebrews is very clear, Christ's compassion doesn't come from his own moral failings or sinfulness, but his profound human experience of vulnerability that comes through suffering. And so I want to lift up a few verses again this morning, verses 7 through 10 uh, in chapter 5. In the days of his flesh, Jesus offered up prayers and supplications with loud cries and tears to the one who was able to save him from death, and he was heard because of his reverent submission. 
Although he was a son, he learned obedience through what he suffered, and having been made perfect, he became the source of eternal salvation for all who obey him, having been designated by God a high priest according to the order of Melchizedek. Jesus can identify with our struggles and on our behalf offers those fervent cries and tears as he prays. Because he himself experienced that same struggle, those fervent cries and tears in Gethsemane as he's waiting, as the disciples are falling asleep around him, as he is crying to God, wrestling with the action that God is taking in his life. Throughout his life, Jesus has taught us that the worries and troubles of life are part of our existence. Today we hear the message that happiness is a life without any problems and a state of well-being that we need to obtain at all costs, right? You see all of those things about think positively and turn that frown upside down and find the silver lining in every cloud. And while sometimes that can be helpful, we know that life is not always like that. When we look at our human existence, we see that life is beautiful, but it is also complicated. And to consent to that, what our life actually is, to welcome even those parts of our life that we will never understand or be able to change, is a step in faith towards the transfiguration that God has for us. I told you last week about the book of essays that I just finished reading by Kelly Corrigan called Tell Me More, and it continues to help me think about this Hebrews uh, letter. And so uh, the first chapter is titled, It's Like This. And in that chapter, Kelly describes her overwhelm of emotions and the pendulum swing of one feeling to the next after the passing of her father 68 days prior to her writing. We meet her two teenage daughters, Georgia and Claire, and her husband, Edward. And in this telling of the story, a seemingly normal morning turns into a meltdown moment when the younger daughter, Claire, is spotted wearing Georgia's shirt that Kelly gave her without permission. And the hits just keep coming. The house is dirty, the kitchen is messy, there are toenail clippings in the bathroom that nobody cleaned up, the dog needs to go outside, and her new shirt is too small. And then there are the memories of her friend Liz, who had died of cancer three months prior at the young age of 46. As she is contemplating why she's so mad at everyone and everything, Kelly remembers a phrase from the meditation guy at her husband's office. He said, it's like this, up and down, good and bad, it's like this for everyone, and it's supposed to be. She says, this forgetting, this slide into smallness, this irritability and shame, this disorienting grief, it's like this. Minds don't rest. They reel and wander and fixate and roll back and reconsider because it's like this, having a mind. Hearts don't idle. They swell and constrict and break and forgive and behold, because it's like this, having a heart. Lives don't last. They thrill and confound and circle and overflow and disappear, because it's like this, 
having a life. And I like that phrase, it's like this. It acknowledges the reality that life is complicated and messy. Having a life is full of struggle and doubt and sorrow and joy and love. But none of that disqualifies anyone from a life of faith or the ministry that comes with it. We heard that Jesus was obedient to God, and we too are called to be obedient to God, discovering our own callings to ministry. It's not just about who's standing up front here on a Sunday morning, but each of us has a ministry that we're called to. And obedience comes from a Latin word that means to hear, to listen well. And that's what we're called to do. But listening requires an openness of mind and heart and reflection. Jesus didn't just do God's will automatically. Jesus understood what it meant to be God's son and how to live out the inner decision to love, but he grew into it in his ministry. In choosing to love, Jesus says yes to God's plan of love, even as he becomes vulnerable to the point of death on a cross. And it's true, when we choose to love, we open ourselves up to the possibility of suffering. Jesus' vulnerability leads him to the cross where he is truly himself. And our vulnerability will lead us to some difficult places too, but it will also show us who we are as children of God. And we are invited to obey, to listen to Jesus, to grow into our roles as children of God, ministers of God's love and care. When I was growing up, there was a note in the bulletin every week on the back uh, that said, Pastor Gerald Peterson, which I never understood because I thought his name was Pete. We called him Pastor Pete, but that's a side note. And it listed Pastor Pete, and then it listed our lector and our acolytes, and then it said ministers, all members of Sugar Creek Lutheran Church. And I thought, but we already have a pastor. What in the world does that mean? Well, what it means is that as Lutherans, we all believe that God is equally accessible to every faithful person. And every Christian has an equal potential to minister for God. God calls all of us because we all understand human vulnerability because we experience it. It was true for Jesus, whose experience of suffering uh, brings him the compassion that he extends to others who struggle. Jesus meets us in the struggle and brings us through that into a renewed relationship with God and then into the forms of service to which God calls us to share with one another. It's clear that vulnerability is not an end in itself for Jesus or for any of us who follow Jesus, but it is through that gift of shared humanity, sharing those experiences with one another, that grace is given and received, that bonds are formed, and that the promise of God's future continues to bring hope and renewal. So as we think about Christ as our high priest, I also want us to think about where is our ministry? Where can we go out and serve with that same love and compassion 
How can we share the human experience together? And as we do that, I invite you to turn to page 84 in the front of your hymnal. Together we're going to affirm our Christian vocation because we share this job together. Sisters and brothers in Christ, both your work and your rest are in God. Will you endeavor to pattern your life on the Lord Jesus Christ in gratitude to God and in service to others at morning and evening, at work and at play, all the days of your life? If so, answer, I will and I ask God to help me. Almighty God, by the power of the Spirit, you have knit these, your servants, into the one body of your Son, Jesus Christ. Look with favor upon them in their commitment to serve in Christ's name. Give them courage, patience, and vision. Strengthen us all in our Christian vocation of witness to the world and of service to others. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen.